Hey, thanks. This is going to be another lounge round, which is having a chat with someone else, a special guest, variety of topics. I never know what might come up, so let's do a super brief advertisement here, and then we'll get on with the show. Thank you. Right, so this is a talk with Spaced Out Ace Cody. Uh, today, we're just going to talk a little bit. Uh, we didn't 100% decide which topic, so maybe we'll do a little bit of both. But the first one was horror movies that you wouldn't watch or haven't watched, uh, and sort of why. So did you think about that at all? Did you have anything that you would pick? You know, we, we sort of excluded the remakes as a broad category. Well, as far as movies that I wouldn't watch and have a reason why, I really don't have one. There are movies that I wouldn't watch and I probably wouldn't uh, have anything to do with, such as uh, Cannibal Holocaust. I really don't see the point in that. Is that just sort of like the gore torture porn just for the sake of it uh kind of i would say bucket or genre of movies as a whole i believe there was a cannibal holocaust and then there was cannibal ferrix or something and if memory serves at least cannibal holocaust was uh they, they killed, like, two monkeys, I think, or something, if memory serves. And I was just like, yeah, I think I'll pass on all that. Yeah, there's a there's a turtle. I believe there's a turtle, too, that they smash on camera. And, uh, yeah, those are actual uh, live animals. It's, um, uh, you know, I, I, I saw that back in the day, and it was one of those things where uh, I got to the end of it, and it wasn't really even sort of a... Uh, a fun kind of oh my god that was just a yeah why why was this made that's that's not for me i i wouldn't watch that again and in terms of movies that i necessarily um wouldn't watch uh i don't think i've seen the cannibal ferox and don't really have any interest in seeing that and a lot of those other movies i you know the for me the the one franchise that i initially sort of liked in a way was saw but then as it went on it just came to me to be uh yeah just kind of a, a just you know torture stuff and i'm like eh you know the, the that got super popular for a while and there was, i felt like there was a whole dearth of those movies and i just did not care to watch any of the rest of those yeah i feel like the whole torture porn thing of uh post 9-11 gitmo era like i i believe those i believe uh i saw something that accredited though the torture porn genre or subgenre of horror to basically seeing that shit on tv the gitmo pictures and and 9-11 and so forth and that's kind of where they credited that to anything after a while those kind of played themselves out sort of got redundant and I mean, how many how many Saw sequels did they make after two, which I feel the first two were good, and then kind of after that, it sort of goes on a steep decline. There's like fucking a hundred of them. 
I think it's eight. I want to say it's eight. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I mean. There's at least seven. There's at least seven. I believe there was one in 3D or something that was totally the last one, and then they did Jigsaw because, you know, why not when you can make more money, right? And then they're going to be doing another one with, like, Chris Rock or something, and I'm like, huh? Why? The so the see that's where like so the the um the one that I saw with so I, there was a I believe it was a trailer or teaser or something about the one that had Chris Rock in it and I actually found myself a little bit interested in that because it seemed like it went back to having a little more character to it other than okay some some person who's slightly dirtbaggy is gonna wake up in a contraption and then get horribly mangled and the stupid little jigsaw is going to ride out on a bike. Ooh, scary. And I, I just got done with that. But the, this one with Chris Rock, at least from what I saw, it seemed to have a little bit more of a, almost to be more like the first one in that aspect. So I, I don't know the, the jury, I guess on that one is kind of out for me. I, I'm not, I'm certainly in no rush to uh, go out and see it opening day. That's for sure. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it, but I mean, like, how many how many soft films do we need? Right. And I think that for me is the how you would fix it is hey, go back to you know I like go back to basically the first one or maybe the second one. Second yeah. one isn't quite the same as the first one, which it shouldn't be. But I get what you're saying. The first one has a certain uh, character to it. Right, and that's what, in my opinion, you'd have to bring back to make that interesting. And maybe, and maybe they are. So good, good for them if they are. The other series that kind of did that. Um, I really liked that movie, The Collector, uh, especially with the. If you haven't seen it, the alternate ending that they include on the disc is hilarious. But I actually thought that was kind of fun. Um, yeah, did you did you not see that? I haven't seen the collector or the the collection. Is that what the sequel is called? Yeah, yeah. The sequel was the collection. I didn't really, I didn't really like that one so much, and the reason why is because of uh, it's the same thing. I felt like it lost some of the character to it, and they went back to now. This is just another saw clone. At least that's the way it felt to me. You know, the the first movie had a little bit more of that character to it. There's a little bit more of this what the fuck aspect to it that I liked. And um, yeah, I'm like, I, I had thought or heard that they were maybe going to do uh, another installment in that franchise. And again, it comes back to, I hope you don't just do what you did with the second movie because all you did was just focus on, uh, you know, torture porn style kills in the the backdrop the contrast of the backdrop that that's against is what makes those movies in my opinion so huh. we'll we'll see on that one too you know i have a question for you can we talk hypotheticals sure everyone's my opinion is that it's time to if this was wrestling it would be like say telling rick flair or hulk hogan to pack up your fucking gear bag and go home <laughs> That, that's the way I, I think of it, and that's the way I would put it, which 
speaking of wrestling, when when the Blair Witch Project came out, I was like nine years old, and I was telling adults that were convinced that it was real. No, this is a work because I watch wrestling, and I'm I'm even though I'm like nine or ten, I'm pretty sure I understand what a work is and when I'm being worked and so forth. And people are just convinced because it was on the internet and blah blah blah. I could have been like. 10 or 11, maybe, I don't know. But I was telling adults who were just absolutely convinced, and then, lo and behold, huh, why is the star of the movie on TV on a late-night show? Right. And then they wanted to go, well, well, okay, okay. It's it, The movie was a work, but it, it's, it's totally based on 100% fact. And I'm like, well, it's supposed to be found footage, so if it's a work at all, then it kind of blows the whole idea of it being found footage, and thus I am not interested, which I'm... Not particularly interested in found footage anyways, but to get back to what we were talking about, with uh, uh, theoretical movies, you, you have a lot of people who are like, I'm one of the ones who wants us to move on. Let's have more arts, uh, art clown, basically more f- new faces of horror so we can move forward. But people are beholden to their, you know, their Freddies and Jasons and such, and I get that. Personally, I have nostalgia for the for the seven uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films, and I kind of like to just keep it like that. But say people just have to have another one or have to have another Friday the Thirteenth. Let's just suppose that you and I are, are vehemently against that idea. Just. Just for discussion, how would you fix that idea of either re- uh, doing another Freddy reboot or Jason reboot, and how would you make it work? If I was going to do a Friday the Thirteenth, I guess reboot. So, are you talking um, start from square one, or are we going with the well? It's kind of a kind of a remake reboot sequel i mean if it if it's blank slate i mean i just feel interject, like just interject real quick you're referring to doing this entirely new remake or doing halloween 2018 correct yes uh i left it open and you can kind of pick and choose like say someone might want to go well i like jason lives so let's do a direct sequel to that so if 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 I was going to do um, uh, sort of a, a so if you're going with a if you're going with a sequel approach, I mean, I I don't know if you do you buy the or are you a fan of the Jason is a supernatural thing or are you a fan of the Jason is a real guy? And I guess part of my question would be. Or do you want to sort of feather the clutch a little bit and have it not be necessarily something that you can put your finger on? Meaning, you know, I, I always used to remember the people going, oh, you know, how, like, how can a guy withstand punishment and stuff like that? You know, he, he would be he would be dead. It's the sort of thing where you go, well, how do you know? How do you know that he's just a guy like maybe? Maybe there is some curse. Maybe it is a death curse, and that's not a real human. You know, maybe, maybe that is some sort of a thing where, you know, the the legend of how that originally happened, maybe maybe that was made up to cover for the fact that 
they did do some satanic shit, whatever you want to, however you want to paint it. And they, they did that to try to get away from the fact that, yeah, oops, we kind of fucked up. And there's this killer guy out here who butchered all these kids and he lives over there. And realistically, the way that we tried to keep it under wraps was by just making this boogeyman story and just kind of shut the camp down and hope nobody have no hope. Nobody goes out here. So I I would probably go with the, uh, the satanic ritual goes fucking pear shaped idea. See, and what I like about that is to me, the, the two ways you can really sort of fuck up a franchise like that is either by, leaving things so chaotically and messily inconsistent or vague, or you explain things too much. I like the idea that it's... Explaining things too much is the curse of Michael Myers. uh, Thousand percent. Which I like the the producer's cut, but I think the theatrical version was... Yikes. (laughs) That thing is a fucking mess. (laughs) so i i like the i like the idea of okay well yeah there's this story we concocted and you know it you know the the boy the boy died the boy did die in the lake and at some point sacrificed him well or hey whether you want to say it was a sacrifice or wasn't maybe you leave that open a little bit and you say well what happened was there was a, a, a group around here who, you know, they knew that there were was basically energies in the woods. They held some ritual to try to bring them back, and it didn't go so well. And in doing so, you know, this this guy, this kid, got further and further deranged. And, uh, you know, for a while, we thought he was in an institution. As it turned out, you know, she had kept him in the woods, and he's this maniac and yeah one summer he went ape shit nuts and he ripped a bunch of these kids apart so yeah we kind of cleared and spread everything away and and then and then you leave it open with the well you know i was gonna buy this land and i was gonna basically do so so like is that still out there and you have just some older guy who's just like how the fuck should i know i ain't going out there like i i pushed all that behind me you want to go fucking fucking around out there you go ahead but Don't come back and expect me to get involved in any of this. And then you can kind of steer that however you want. You can have the remnants of the old cabins. You want to show them where he's some sort of kind of a guy living in savagery in the woods. Maybe you show him later on. You're like, yeah, but there's this shot where he turns around. You can see like his whole entire back is like, full of holes like is you know is he a zombie what is he and you just go don't explain it don't explain it don't don't do that too much because if you try to explain that too much you wreck it and you you know what the the other thing that i thought that was just absolutely hilarious was the showing his face too much and how he looked like a frog and that one thing like you know that that's the you want him to have the hockey mask on. And if it ever does come off, you only very barely and briefly want to show it because then like there is more of the, you know, it's the thing behind the mask. If you show his face, I want to say like that personalizes a a little bit and it makes it a little less terrifying. So, so if I was going to do that and I was going to reboot it, 
that's how I would that's how I would do the Friday the 13th series. Um, I would use a little bit of some of those elements from all of them. And uh, I certainly I certainly would not include any. This is like the do you want to go full Rob Zombie and make everything super dirty and just have on screen rapes and all sorts of shit? Maybe not. But do you also want to have a bunch of corny, goofy stuff? I also think probably not, because if I was going to balance, right. You know, like I, I thought there were some of the movies that did that better than others, but um, that that's how I would do it. That's how I would reboot that franchise. And I would say, if you're going to really give it good impact, you want to make the and and I may be I may get crucified for this, but the Jason slamming her against the tree when the sleeping bag is fucking stupid because it's hilarious. And if you're laughing at the kills, then again, to me, like, it's he slams her feet against the against the tree and she's dead. Right? Like, <laughs> can someone explain to me how not only that works, but also how that is like? one of the fucking kills that everyone talks about so much that it was actually in Jason X and they, they sort of redid it. She doesn't get slammed against the tree. I don't think she gets slammed against the other, the other girl in that uh, simulation scene towards the end of the film. But like, <laughs> I mean, that well, works better. The it simulation did. Scene. Well, and because obviously the history of how it was very difficult for Kane hot. And so there's a little bit of the, he looks at it like, wait a, you know, there's a little bit of that. Wait a minute, haven't I done or seen this before? And so, like, it's that's funny. But if I if I was gonna redo the series myself, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't want there to be any necessarily. Like, yeah, you can include some stuff now and then that make you laugh. But to me, if you want to do the if you want to do the kills that are brutal, you know, I I like the one one of the one of my favorite kills, and I know a lot of people hate uh, Jason goes to hell. But one of my favorite kills is he just rams that iron bar through that lady and just splits her torso up from the shoulder where she just kind of splits in half. And to me, like, that's just, you know, you laugh at it because it's so fucking brutal. There's no other silly, corny shit. You know, the other one is when the the guy's doing the handstand and he just machete chops him down between. And you just see this like pile of meat, like fall and hit the camera. You know, you, you make shit like that where it's, it's a little more dirty and a little less, you know, let me showcase how creative I can be with the kills. Like if you're, if you're doing that, you gotta, you, you, you gotta be careful. Cause I feel like, yeah, you, you go into silly territory. Well, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, she's, she's getting a, metaphorically impaled and split in two and then she gets physically impaled and split two. <laughs> <laughs> right but see that's the right kind of funny to me that's the right kind of funny the sleeping bag thing is the wrong kind of funny at least at least when they originally did it right yeah that's just that's just my opinion so i mean if you were if you were doing it so say so, all right, I did, I did a Friday the 13th. So let's say somebody gives you, let's say somebody gives you, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you know, if you're big into Nightmare on Elm Street and you had to redo that, how would, you, how would you redo, how would you redo that one? Whether you want to follow it up or you want to reboot the whole entire series, you have carte blanche. Here's the, here's the license to use Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street 
and you can do whatever you want with it, go, and you're given a budget, well, how, what, what would you do? Uh, for one, I would, I would make sure there was practical effects. I would use as little or no CGI. I would get rid of that fucking god awful fucking garbage horror filter that they smear like feces all over everything since about 2003. God, I, I hate that. that fucking filter. It's just awful, man. Give me Dean Kundi anytime. I mean, he does great with, with the John Carpenter films that he was a part of. So we haven't even gotten towards the film. We're just, we're just talking just, just mechanics type stuff. <laughs> I would get a director that knows what he is doing. I would get writers that can write dialogue. I mean, the dialogue in the remake is just... It's not it's like, good. Did you guys just work with the, with the first draft script and just say, yeah, this is great because I wrote it? Like... I mean, some of the dialogue just, I mean, you got Jack Earl Haley trying to chew these marbles and spit them out and, and, and make it work on screen. And it's just like, who the fuck saw this and thought, yep, that's, that's the take we're going to go with because it doesn't work. I don't so understand. Once I, once I got all the pre-production stuff in order. I would then ask people, you know, like, what are some of the creepiest fucking things you've ever had in your dreams? And, and then and then maybe try to incorporate that into the, the films. Uh, I was talking with someone, uh, I believe his name is Steven on, uh, on Twitter. He, he was involved with the uh, hashtag stay in bed with Fred that me and Mike Vanderbilt put together, which was fantastic by the way. Thanks for you guys putting that together. That was, that was very cool. I am, I'm holding my, uh, non-existent glass of whiskey up to that, uh, thing, <laughs> but he, he was talking about how, you know, with the, with the early, the uh, the original films, particularly the earlier ones, like say the first three or so, you sort of like the the scene sort of like uh, grows into a dream. It's not like very obvious from the get go that yep, this is a dream. It sort of like morphs into it, and you you're you're off balance. They do this especially well in the first one. And maybe a little less so in two and three. But you, you're off balance and you're not really sure when it's a dream until it's a nightmare. So I would I would make sure that that was prevalent in the film. Whereas in the remake, it was very obvious when it was a dream. And it sort of, I don't know, just didn't work for me. Uh, I'd make Freddy scary again, but I'd also allow him to basically have fun and be able to crack jokes, but in a menacing way or like one-liners, like say people go, well, by three, he was starting to get kind of corny and stuff. And I'm like, but in the first one, he's doing really awesome uh, one-liners that are still iconic to this day, like this is God and stuff like that. So I would just make sure that, you know, 
going from step to step to step up until production that you just had everything in order. You know, you made sure that stuff was actually going to be scary. And I feel like a lot of stuff that comes out now is not scary or just doesn't play off well. This is especially true in the third act of a lot of films. And I think a lot of it has to do with not interacting with people and knowing the reactions firsthand. You interact with people a lot digitally. And you find this stuff even in modern wrestling a lot where they could have a great match and then it gets to the finish and it's like, what the fuck was that? Like, what? Isn't that incredible? <clears throat> right. It's like it's like the, uh, you know, you, ha- you have a great setup, you have a great arc, but then you just don't know how to end it. Right? Like... I- I, no, I call I, it I call it storytelling premature ejaculation. That's a, I mean that's a <laughs> and albeit messy way to put it, but yeah, uh, I, I I tend to agree with you. Um, and, and a lot of a lot of those, I would say movies where I really just want uh, it's the ones where you just go God, the you know the ending to this. And we talked about this before. The one to me that totally squandered that and absolutely fucked it up and went off the rails was that Daniel isn't real. Um, I actually thought the beginning portions of that weren't too bad. And then it was just like somebody went, uh, I don't, I don't like all this stuff I did. I, I want to do this. And you're like, okay, no, this is just, uh, you lost me. I don't even care anymore or whatever. Can we just get this movie over with? Like, do you know what a balloon fart is where you blow up a balloon and then you pull, pull it tight. The, uh, yeah, the little ends up. And right. then you pull it real tight and he goes <laughs> like that real screeching, irritating noise. I feel like what, what a lot of movies do in the third act. They they build you up, they build you up, blowing up the balloon, and then it gets to the end and it's just a balloon fart. Oh man. Anyways, once, once <laughs> I got all that stuff done, the script looks fucking terrifying. Just reading it, you can go, okay, this is gonna be terrifying. I'd pick actors that, for one, could act. And a lot of people might argue with me and go, well, horror doesn't need good actors. Most actors in the 80s couldn't act for shit. And it's like, yeah, but a lot of the better ones in the 80s at least had... Maybe they weren't great yet, but they were competent enough to at least get across what the script is portraying. And then I would just do stuff like say maybe Freddy wasn't a pedophile. Maybe he was wrongly accused and at the end they find out, oh wow. So Freddy was wrongly accused and that's why he's pissed off. Whereas yeah, the whole uh, out- outrage cancel culture was uh, just done up and uh, turns out, yeah, he's wrongly accused and Shit, you murdered an innocent man. Like, for instance, I think that Freddy could almost only work in the 80s. So I would have an 80s core. 80s core is stuff like Stranger Things, uh, Summer of 84, things in, in, in that general mold where it's, uh, you know, produced over the past, like, four or five years, but it's uh, very reminiscent of the 80s. 
I, you know, it, it would be, <laughs> it would be very difficult. Maybe, maybe not very difficult. I, I feel like if I could sit and roll ideas around with someone, I feel like maybe Nightmare on Elm Street could work in this day and age only because of the amount of apparent sex pests that are out there roaming around and and maybe you broaden the scope on that a little bit and and change it into some sort of thing where it's uh uh you know like you say the you don't know if you're awake or dreaming if it's a mix of people reading stuff and getting spun off and, and sort of uh like having their dreams kind of gaslight them into madness. And then the next thing you find it's, you know, this guy has, you know, this regular man has killed one of his children. And that's because ultimately Freddie still wants the ch children to die. But what a better way to get revenge on that than having some guy kill one of his own kids. And then that's in the papers. And <clears throat> now he and his family are ruined and everything else. I mean, I, I feel like there's some different ways you could take it given the current, like, the current like he, climate. So, like he kills this kid and then he sets it up so that it could be blamed on Fre uh, Freddy Krueger, correct? Prior yeah, yeah, to being right. Yeah, so you know, I, I, th I, I think could see that working. Yeah, there's still, you know, I think I feel like there's still a lot of life left in those franchises, and the I feel like the people that the people that get them, um, I don't know the. <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily want the weight of the horror community watching me if I had to make one of those, but I, I feel like if I did, one of the things would be, yeah, ask some of the community, whatever, a little bit, regardless of whether you think that's a good idea, it would at least, I feel like what you would at least find is you would at least find a large amount of don't do this. And so, okay, take all those things that people just couldn't stand and hated and just don't do those things. And then, like you say, clean it up. Don't include this Vaseline mixed with diarrhea filter that they put all over everything. They smear it all over like fucking feces. And someone needs to clean it up. It's like a shitty fucking truck stop bathroom. It's, it's like they can't find any other way to make something visually uncomfortable than to make it look like uh yeah dog dog food water like it's just uh yeah i, I it shit drives me uh drives me up a wall i mean it's it drives me to up me, a wall too that's the that's the action movie equivalent of filming fight scenes where you've zoomed the camera in so close you can't really tell what's actually happening and they just shake the camera around to make it look like see see better Badass stuff is happening, guys. You're like, I can't tell a single flying fuck what the hell just happened. Yeah, all you see is like up close shots of fists and 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 fucking feet, and it's like, what what is going on? Is someone getting fisted or or what? It <laughs> could be that could be just some guy on the crew just flopping his hand around in front of the camera for all anyone fucking knows. <laughs> So yeah, I, uh, th so yeah, that's that's basically what I would do to maybe start a. I don't know if I would start a new Freddy franchise or or kind of have it build off the first one. It would probably have to be an entirely new Freddy 
franchise based on the fact that you'd have to you, you'd want him to be falsely accused and so forth but it's just, it's just tough because then i go back to stuff like art the clown uh, you know in in some of these other original movies and i'll, I'll at least applaud uh, shudder for that that okay at least you're trying to make some new stuff that's not just retreads of you know it's not insidious 19 or whatever which is another oh, God. That, that and that and paranormal activity movies that and i won't see, you know, yeah i won't see and any of those don't, and, don't even don't even have sequels to offshoots of the conjuring or some shit like the nun five or some shit yep and i I just don't care to see those because at some point to me, it's, it's back to that explanation thing. You know, there was a, there's a movie on, there's a movie on shutter that it's got mixed reviews and mixed opinions. And I even myself have a mixed opinion on it. Um, ter- uh, uh, terror, uh, is it terrified? Ter- it's, it's terrified. There's terrifier with Art the clown. And right. This terrified. is terrified. With and the, with the weird person with teeth all over. And yeah, and what I liked about that is you get to the end of that movie and they don't really explain how or why or where this came from, which to me, that's part of the scariness of horror stuff is the how the hell did that happen and what was going on? It's like, well, you don't know. And for all you know, that's still out there. And to me, that's the, you know, I like those characters. I like that stuff like that. Like, don't, you know, don't bring them too hard. Like, and in that and like I like the nightmare on Elm Street stuff, but that's the same sort of thing where it's like, but you you made Fred it's like you made Freddie a friend. He's cracking jokes and he's kicking ass. It's like, I love this guy. It's like, yeah, but you're you're not supposed to because it kind of makes him a little less scary when you're like, boy, I just, you know, I can't wait till a, like I I'd hang out and have a beer with that guy. He sounds hilarious. Like, I don't know. I you know, so I I do applaud them. And I, and I would say, you know, that's my thing is I'm like some of these, some of these franchises, like, okay, they, they had a good idea, but like, you know, it's, it's the, it's the wrestling thing. All right, guys, you had an awesome run. Thank you so much. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe move on out and let's get some new blood in here and you guys can provide expertise, but let's get some new matches and some new stars and stuff going. Like I'd like to see, new stuff like that. And, and I'm going to take a moment to show one movie that I just thought was fun. I liked that movie haunt that they had with the haunted house. And the biggest disappointment for me on that one was the ending. And I'm not going to say what the ending is because it's a little bit of a spoiler, but I just went, man, that to me was one where you could have had maybe one or two more sequels to that. And you could have kept it fun in it and it would have been all right before you ended it. But I feel like once you start to get past that third movie, dude, time to time to call it. Time to call it. You know, blow the whistle, send everybody home. Thanks. Let's think up something new. You know, is 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 haunt the one where they start out? I believe at a party, and then they get invited to go to some haunted house. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I saw that one. It was pretty decent. Yeah, it was. Was it mind blowing? No, but it was the. The, the the dialogue wasn't super atrocious. The people in it, you know, they, they didn't act just completely wonk stupid. I mean, they did try to get it. Like, I was like, you know what? For what it was, 
for being that that was obviously low budget, they were creative in the interior use that they did with the haunted house. I was like, well, you know, that's to me kind of a creepy thing. I remember some of the people that I used to go to haunted houses with. They, you know, they always say the thing like, what if you went into a haunted house and it turned out that it was real? It's like, well, I mean, there's a certain creepiness to that. You're in the dark and you're assuming that that's all fake. But if one of those people wasn't fake and walked up to one of your friends and stabbed him in the back with a knife or something, you know, and then was like, no, no, it's part of the show. They just went over here. I mean, I, I, I would be like, no, fuck you. But I, I liked that setup. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought it was just a fun little movie. And I, I'd love to see more stuff like that, to be honest. So how about some, uh, some music that is, uh, that either excited you and still excites you, say when you were a, a punk kid growing up or. Well, something. I'm going to, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that right now, um, you know, the, the stuff that his, excited me lately i still i still follow um you know the overkill guys um i still love their albums that they put out i really like i really like armored saint i really like anthrax you know armored saint has another album that's coming up you know those guys are getting those guys are getting older but i i love those albums that they put out and uh you know to me it's you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get infatuated with an album here or there and just play it to death and then just keep coming back to some of those. And, and man, those guys are still kicking ass. You know, Overkill, Soil Work, uh, Anthrax, uh, Armored Saint. Um, you know, those are those are the, the albums that have really been the ones for me that are that are on my horizon and been on my radar. I I want to say that I slipped a little bit on some of the metal stuff only because I used to, I used to listen to that more at work when I had time to just sit and focus on, on building some of the projects that work on. But now that I'm in a little bit more of a managerial role in some aspects, that's very difficult. And so I, I tend to listen to stuff that's more on the electronic synth wave, new retro wave type of stuff because I can listen to that without really listening to it. I mean, there'd be times where I'd listen to, you know, I'll listen to a heavy metal track and I can feel myself starting to sweat because it's like, man, I want to go like, I want to lift. I want to work out. This is already amping me up. Just listening to this. It's like, well, I can't listen to that (laughs) doing the stuff that I do at work anymore. So, um, you know, that's just to, to me kind of a commentary on that sort of a thing. I, you know, I, I love that stuff and I love hearing the stuff that gets passed around on Twitter. I mean, there's so many good bands out there now um, in, in the accessibility to whether it's the classics or the new stuff. I mean, I, I remember, I'll, I'll tell just a brief story a little bit. There was a album that was put out by a band called Southpaw it was a heavy metal band, and uh, I would imagine it was probably sometime in the early 2000s. They had like one release, I think, and then broke up. And they played it on some streaming service at the at the time. And they had this song on there that they played called "Thy Will Be Done," that I just man, I, I got just infected with the hooks and that. And 
I remember the only way to get that to get that album was to order an import from Japan that cost me $37. And now it's shit, man, almost all this stuff you can get for 99 cents or a dollar or whatever on the various music platforms. And if you hear something that's coming out and you want to preview it or hear it, you can almost always find the entire album on YouTube. You know, if, Hey, if you don't have the money or you don't want to pay for it, that's fine. Or, Spotify and the stuff that comes across on Spotify. There's a, a band I'll occasionally tweet about called Big Wreck that's on there. That's a Canadian band that's a little bit more of a hard rock thing, but it, you know, they include some bluesy cues in their music and, and it's just good stuff, you know, especially if I'm taking a long drive. It's just great driving music. So that's kind of what I've been uh you know a little bit into lately. I I uh uh, would ask you the sort of the same question. I mean, I know you're obviously huge into Kiss, but is there any any other new bands that sort of uh, you know get the juices flowing for you in that regard? Well, real quick, I think bands like Kiss have overstayed their welcome, and I think when all that uh, let's do a reunion thing started up, they that that's that was the uh, I think that was the beginning death throes of rock, and Gene likes to go around and say it's it's because these pimply faced college students that we no longer can make tons of money, even though we're we're still swimming in dough like uh, like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> and it's like, no, buddy. The reason the reason rock is dead because it's dead. Let's be real honest here. It's fucking dead and needs to be taken out behind a. Uh, a 7-Eleven and dumped in the dumpster is because you have nostalgia acts who stay around for way too long. They have tons of money and don't need anymore. They charge $180 for one ticket. You get charged for uh, just to park your car. You get charged uh, $12 for concessions. They want $40 for a pretty gaudy looking uh, tour t-shirt like compare a modern tour t-shirt to say something from like 83 or 84 when uh say kiss was touring for creatures of the night or van halen was touring for uh you know uh 1984 you compare it to those things and you're just kind of like there's no comparison this stuff looks like trash and the stuff from the 80s look really awesome so you have, and the reason I say this is because, you know, what was it in the 70s? You had kids who loved rock and they loved going to see rock shows. And why was that? Because the tickets were like five to ten bucks. Right. It was priced perfectly to attract kids. I mean, then, all that, all, all, all that shit, right? The idea of, hey, let's, let's pile into this car or van and gas is 60 cents. And, uh, you know, we'll get beers and fucking some joints or whatever. And we'll go watch this concert. And yeah, it's, it's five bucks or whatever to get in. And now it's like, Jesus, you go to some of these concerts. It's like, I, I you know, I'm, I also am a big, like, I, I like progressive metal and geez, you know, I like to go and sit and get the good seats. Cause I really appreciate that music. And you're like, yeah, but this is like, this is like a fucking $70 ticket. This is a fucking $70 ticket. And then the t-shirts are like $30 and it's like $15 for a beer 
And you're like, my good God. Like, by the time you're up to it, you're like, this is like a $200 concert experience. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, and then you add in what Ticketmaster wants, what Live Nation wants out of it, and you got to, you know, you got to pay for all this crap, and it's fucking expensive, and you wonder why kids go... And this is the this is the key ex- uh, exhibit A for my my argument in the court of music as to why rock is dead. What do what do uh, what do kids and teenagers refer to rock as? They refer to it as dad rock. Right. That is the death of rock right there. Dad rock. And you could go, well, why is that? That isn't the death of rock. That means people are still listening. Yeah, people who. Sorry to say, don't really have much longer to be here. Sorry to put it that way, but that's, you know, none of us are getting out of this alive. So that's. It's, and, it's and, also, it's also a, I mean, like <clears throat> this has been for ages, the, the whole heavy metal thing and, and metal is dead. And it's like, well, yeah, it has been, except mostly if all you do is, think of it in terms of a of a u.s culture like heavy metal and all that shit is still huge in japan and huge in a lot of parts of loudness you know, the europe so you know it, it's just a matter of yeah if you're if you're saying okay are you gonna continue to play you know the same like oh we're gonna we're gonna play uh you know the same acdc song it's like well yeah it's because acdc has been around forever and i still think the music is okay but like yeah, it's because those kids now that are growing up, that's what their parents listen to. So yeah, to them, that's their dad's music, right? So like, and if and if you're one of those people, and look, that's fine if that's all you enjoy, but if you never got outside of that and listened to some other stuff and expanded it around, you know, I I know for me, like I think of something like the Moody Blues or the Bee Gees or whatever, you know, and that's that's my parents' music. And honestly, listening to it, some of it is musically very well done. But that always, to me, is going to be my parents' music because that's yeah. what they listened to when I grew up. So that's that. Like, but as for music now that excites me or you know keeps me interested or keeps me wanting to play guitar myself and so forth, uh, I'd probably have to say loudness. Akira Takasaki is fucking awesome. Uh, I feel like everyone knows about X Japan and everyone raves about X Japan, but they don't really. I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, yeah, sure, fine. But uh, Loudness is just fucking awesome. Another, not really a band, but a musician is George Lynch. Oh yeah. And and sure, I could just spin the the four. The four docking records from the 80s until my fucking hair turns gray and falls out. But <laughs> over the past, like, five or six years, he has released shit like f- fucking 15 albums or something like that. He had, a, I believe it was Shadow Train, which was a double album and was very political, I guess. It was for a, a Native American documentary that he was working on and he finally got released i think like in 2018 but the album came out in 2014 it was meant to be like a soundtrack for it he's done three records with kxm which has lou uh, ray 
Luzier, I believe his last name is, from Corn, the drummer. It has yeah. Doug Pennick from King's X, which King's X, uh, up to like the late 90s, had really awesome music. And then George Lynch. Yeah, I think that one, I remember their Scatterbrain. Uh, That's an awesome album. Scatter Scatterbrain, I thought, was fucking awesome. That's a great fucking album. Yep. Uh, he had a record re- released uh, earlier this year that I totally didn't even realize until someone had posted it in a in a Damn. Discord server. I didn't realize that George was even in it, and they posted it, and I was like, hmm, "This, you know, whatever. I'll just play thirty seconds of it." And I play the music video, and I'm like. Wait, that's George Lynch in the music video. What the wait? What the fuck is this? And, <laughs> and Dirty Shirley was the band, and I'm like, hmm, the singer's decent enough. I I don't get why he's releasing another album, considering I think he released an album like a month or two prior with uh, the End Machine, which had the yeah, that was with uh, Jeff back to Jeff Pelson. Mick, uh, yeah, Mick, this Mick Brown, I think, was on there too. He might be, but the thing that I was most, uh, that interested me the most was that he brought back basically, uh, Robert Mason, I believe his name is, from the, uh, second, uh, Lynch Mob album, which was self titled, if memory serves. And then he's done like three, Two or three uh, Lynch Mob albums since 2014. Uh, he's done... I- I'm sure there's some other ones that I'm missing there. Uh, he's done two albums with uh, Michael Sweet of Striper. Oh, yeah, nice. Which I, I could just imagine the conversations about uh, religion and politics between those two. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so yeah, he's he's someone that I find really interesting because you know he can just sit back and go, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna play Mr. Scary for the next forty fucking years, and and by the time I look like the Crypt Keeper, it will be Mr. Fucking Scary. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, that's I mean, pretty the great. Guy, the guy makes guitars. I was like, ah, he probably just kind of diddles around with some pre-made uh, bodies and. Slaps in some some neck that ESP makes for him, but no, he apparently does quite a bit of work on these uh, guitars that he makes, which I find pretty interesting. I'm sure they're an arm and a leg, but you know. For me, I have uh, one of my uh, in my like I have like a sort of a playlist of just like, hey, yeah, if I'm if I'm working out or doing something, when I would just want all time favorite classics. Um, I really like the, his uh, "Beast in the Box" from that Wicked Underground album. Um, to me, that's just—I I love the sound of that. Um, absolutely, that dude just knows how to play, and um, it's fucking—I I, I love that. I love that those guys are still out there kicking ass and playing playing music like that, and and never and never decided to. I hate the I hate the word "sold out" because to me that's such dog shit. But like, I just like the fact that it's. The guy's going to play what he wants to play. He never decided that he was going to move to follow necessarily a a trend or a wind of change or whatever. It's like, no, this is the stuff that I want to play. And and I'm going to continue to, as I get older, 
elevate my career, not use an excuse that, well, I'm getting old now, so we can't play, you know, stuff like we used to. <coughs> Metallica. <coughs> Uh, I think Metallica was. I think Reload was the last really good album they put out, and I know people like to go Load and Reload suck, and so does the Black album. But I like them, so whatever. Some other. I was okay. That. I was. I was. I was okay with the Black album, but it outside of that, it was just the fact that they they also just let the studio fuck with their stuff too much with that whole loudness and just all the rest of that crap it's like man if you guys like again you're like kiss you're rolling in all this money and shit at this point like why why did you let those guys fuck with that and you're telling me that you listened to this afterwards and you went yes send it and i'll and i'll and i'll use nevermore as a clear example where they released that uh fucking was it enemies of reality where the the Production. Yeah, they had to re. They had to years later. They had to redo that fucking album. They didn't re-record yeah. it, from what I nope. understand. But they had to remix it and remaster it and everything because it was. Yeah, such... he was. He was so pissed. They went back and said, "This is bullshit." And we, you know, w- you know, the 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 studio basically did, or the label did this, you know, and and basically they, you could send. I th- I can't remember what it was. You could send them something, and for like a dollar they would send you the new CD because it was such dog shit. And I'm like, yeah, why? like, don't do that. Don't do that because it makes it more radio loud friendly or whatever. Like, get the fuck out of town, man. Look, I have, uh, I have three, uh, I believe it's Lick It Up, Asylum, and Animalize that are not the uh, remastered albums. And they actually sound better. And yes, they are quote-unquote quieter. But guess what? With those quote-unquote quieter albums, you turn them up and 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 you turn them up. And and they keep sounding better. Right. Whereas you take a remastered version of, say, I don't know, whatever album. Most of the time, all they do is they just kind of fucking dick around with the loudness and make it... Uh, they, sometimes it even clips, but they'll they'll get rid of all of the uh, the peaks and the valleys, and everything will just kind of be the same loudness. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, technically it's it's louder, and I guess that's more quote unquote modern, but it doesn't sound too great. Like I'm into Trivium, I think they put out some pretty good awesome music, but I really wish they would stop brick walling the fuck out of their goddamn waveforms it's like guys this this doesn't sound good it's tiring to listen to it causes major fucking ear fatigue and it's just it's just garbage like why why especially since in this day and age you know uh everybody's going and, and and maybe maybe i'm wrong on this but you you have these digital files like that's fairly high fidelity, and everybody's walking around with these very well crafted speakers in there. I remember, I remember it used to be, oh, you get a pair of headphones, and they were these dog shit fucking headphones that were about as flat as. I mean, they were headphones that were basically for like you're gonna you're gonna listen to some audio recording like dictaphone style shit, and you're like, come on, man, with the with the with the quality of the stuff you have out there now. Don't be flattening this stuff out and doing this. Like, let like let it breathe a little bit. 
I think that is the major issue with a lot of modern rock and metal albums is that they don't breathe at all. Like, I want to hear, I want to hear the 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 fucking guitars when they when they start to build up, and you know you can hear that. You should be able to hear it get louder as they start to pick heavier and start to dig in more and stuff. Instead, it's just kind of all the same sound. And after a couple songs, like, okay, this is. This is starting to fucking drill into my brain, and it's not in a good way. One of my favorite all-time songs, one of my favorite all-time songs, is the original white sleeve version of Am I Evil by Diamond Head. Because it's got that dirty, raw kind of sound to it, but that's still good enough where you can really hear it. And yeah, as the guys get more and more into it, you can hear that slight increase in that volume because the guy's wailing on the fucking drums and he's, you know, he's hitting the notes harder on the guitar. And I listened to the remastered version of that. I'm like, this is the, this is the perfect example of how you take a song and you suck out its soul. I mean, it just felt soulless and just, ugh. Well, that's a great thing that you point out because I think since digital has, we, we used to do analog with tape, and I can only imagine how much of a fucking pain in the ass that was in the 70s and 80s. But since the 80s, we've moved more and more towards digital, and it's like, well, digital's great. We can make this more perfect, and it's like, humans are making this. Let's have the, I don't know, human element. Imagine if you had a fucking digital someone remastered and 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 redid from scratch in digital form the mona lisa how garbage would that be so what if if i had any say over how people would make music like we we quantize the shit out of uh you can find a video from rick beato i believe his name is you uh he he goes over this but he uh quantizes John Bonham's, uh, because he has the stems. Stems are basically where you can, uh, you get a lot of these from Guitar Hero when they used to make those games. But a stem is basically just uh, the tracks. Like, you'll have the drums, or you could have the guitar, and you can mess with them separately from the song itself. And then you could put the song back together. But he takes the drums of, say, uh, someone like John Bonham. He is considered one of the best drummers in rock and he goes well what if i quantize this because everyone knows that humans just based on our natural instinct do not stick to a metronome very well we're not that great at keeping time and you know you get more excited for certain parts and that's what you need you just need that for certain parts And and he goes over this he plays the original version of a, of a drum track from John Bonham, and then he quantizes the shit out of it, and he goes, look, this is the difference, and this is why this one works, the original, and the quantized version doesn't work. All of these albums now that are being made are being quantized, and it doesn't sound very good, but even more than that, a lot of rock and metal albums now, I don't even know why they have a drummer. Fire the fucking guy and save your money because you're recording a fucking album based on drum samples that some asshole producer fucking programmed. 
Yeah, just and run it a sound good. Just run a drum machine at that point. <laughs> well, seriously, why why uh, bother? Why bother even hiring the fucking jackass if the guy's not even going to actually, I don't know, play on the fucking album. Right. And it's like, well, it's more perfect this way. Listen, rock and metal albums are supposed to be an artwork. No art ever is perfect. The idea that anything is perfect when it's made by humans. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to use I'm going to say that number 1 I a thousand percent agree with you and number 2 I'm going to uh sort of slide us into the sunset here and say that for me uh music is a little bit like sex if if it's too clinical and it's too cold and it's too by the numbers it's not so great when it's sloppy and sweaty and weird and you laugh a little bit and it's kind of fucked up is when you have the most fun with it yeah it's supposed to be fun you're supposed to have a little fun with it it's meant to be cheeky like for instance uh gene simmons on a solo album from 1978 when kiss every all four members of the band each did their own solo album as a part of kiss his last song is When You Wish Upon a Star, and the reason he did it was because Disney meant a lot to him as a kid when he came over from uh, from Europe, and he was a Jewish kid, and he didn't speak English, and he learned uh, English through American television. And so When You Wish Upon a Star meant a lot to him, and there was a point in the song, apparently, where his voice cracks, and he started to cry, and he said, I want to redo that one, and his producer, Sean Delaney, said, no, we are not redoing that one. We're not redoing it. Why? Because the human element, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, if his voice cracks and, oh, he, you know, the, the, the note isn't perfect. No, you, you, if they were to redo it, you'd lose that little bit of human element and the, the, the impact that, say something like, when you wish upon a star meant to Gene Simmons. In my book, he, uh, one of them it's uh behind the mask i believe and kiss goes through every album and they discuss a lot of the songs from each album and so forth he discusses that song and he's like look when i saw that movie jimmy cricket i felt was talking directly to me like eugene you could wish upon a star and make any of your dreams come true and he felt like that's what had happened and that's why the song closed out his album that's beautiful man and exactly. like, and and you know that's the that's the thing. If you if you if you try to distill art down to its constituent perfect little measures and pieces, uh, I feel like you're ruining it. And I think to pull this all the way back and circle around, it's the same thing when you get some of these horror movies. You know, if you try to hit some formula for maximum whatever like you're you're ruining a little bit of that dirty organic emotional sort of connection thing that you know makes you want to stick your hands in it right like right like that first uh, texas chainsaw massacre they've done numerous releases of that and they've tried to remaster the hell out of that fucking thing and get rid of the graininess. And I believe fans complained and bitched so much and and reviewed those those releases where they did that so harshly that they were like, uh, bad idea. 
Right. And, and, and for instance, something like Van Halen, you can listen to a lot of those David Lee Roth era Van Halen albums. And if you, especially if you have the, the isolated guitar tracks, there, there's, there's lots of instances where either Eddie Van Halen screwed up or, or he was just sort of, you know, just going with it. Like it doesn't need to be perfect. And, and, I believe I had read somewhere where Ted Templeman had to tell him sometimes, like, look, we're not fixing that. We're not redoing that. We're, we could redo it. And yes, technically it could be better, but you would also not have played it with the same intensity or the same heart or the same amount of soul. And that's, I think what's missing from a lot of these, even remakes and modern horror films or modern rock albums in general is that where's the soul and the heart and the human element. Where are those? Because I don't see a lot of it. Right. Agree with you a thousand percent on that one. So I think that's going to be it, man. I'm going to uh, carry off with the rest of my evening. Is there uh, anything else you want to say before we sign it off? I I, I would try to pull a David Lee Roth quote out of the top of my head, but I can't think of it. He's got a lot of real good zingers, though. Oh, he really does. Uh, how about um, uh, oh, I can't think of one. Well, what was I going to say? Uh, and all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll we'll see you again next time. Take care.